Hello, I'm Dr. Annaline Weston, a dental legal consultant at Dental Protection. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. In this edition, I'm joined by my colleague, Mrs. Kristen Trafford-Weisel, to discuss an issue that we all grapple with in practice, dental records. You may appreciate dental records as something that we at Dental Protection deal with on a daily basis, and they're pivotal in our daily clinical life and patient care. Additionally, dental records, or lack of, can play a key role in instances where unfortunately the treatment has not gone to plan. As clinicians, we often primarily view our role through the doing part of our job. We are proceduralists. However, equally important is what we say or discuss with our patients and crucially writing this down. The documentation of the saying and the doing parts of our job. Though we know that records go hand in hand with the care of our patients, how do we actually go about creating a quality record? So I wanted to take this opportunity to talk with Kristen about a practical guide for dental records or a roadmap, if you will. The who, when, what, why and where on what a comprehensive clinical record ought to contain to assist in our day to day practice. So firstly, it might be helpful when we're considering what should be in a comprehensive record to ask what actually the purpose of the dental record is. So, Kristen, what fundamentally are records there for? Thanks, Annalene. Well, that's really the best place to start, isn't it? So why do we keep dental records? It is often the case that practitioners might actually automatically jump to the very end when considering this question. And practitioners may feel that the key role of dental records is to provide a means of defence in complaints against them regarding the treatment that's been provided. Whilst this is certainly the case, and a comprehensive record does go a long way to help us assist you should that happen, it is in fact, first and foremost, that the purpose of dental records is to assist us in our patient care. To ensure the continuity of our patient's care, what has been revealed through the journey and what's been discussed, what treatment's been completed, as well as signposting further treatment planned. Additional to this, keeping adequate clinical records are actually a requirement of your professional registration as outlined in our Code of Conduct. And I'd encourage you all to go and review this section of the Code of Conduct, which outlines the Dental Board's expectations on what a dental record should contain. And lastly, but no means least, there are also a contractual administration requirement should you wish to utilise claiming mechanisms such as Medicare or Veterans Affairs or private health insurance. Okay, so we know clinical records serve many functions, primarily for assisting in your patient care, though also for administrative and claiming functions and for assisting in protecting ourselves. That's great. So how then are we going to go about compiling a comprehensive record that meets all of these needs? Well, that's certainly the million dollar question, isn't it, Annalene? And one, you know, we get asked on an incredibly regular basis. We often have practitioners ask us about what it actually means practically to meet the expectations set out for a comprehensive record. So obviously each clinical situation is different and the threshold for what would be appropriate to record at each appointment in each individual situation would likely be different. However, there are some common threads that we can consider when compiling our records. I was recently watching a very highly experienced colleague present who outlined a wonderful and practical resource about compiling a clinical record and it really resonated with me and I knew that it would likely be very useful to our members and I wanted to share this as a standalone resource. It wasn't me by any chance, was it Kristen? 
uh, good pickup on there, Annalene. It was you. And I wanted to say a big thank you for letting us use this tool to give to our members and to assist them in their day-to-day practice. Of course. And I'm glad you found it so helpful. So where do you want to start? Well, let's start at the beginning. So once we've all reviewed the official guidance provided by the Dental Board on their expectations, it's now time to start setting out the roadmap of the who, when, what, why relating to our appointment that day. So as you might expect, a very good place to start is in laying the foundation, is in looking at the history. So who is this patient? Documenting why are they here? Is it a regular examination and hygiene appointment or is it an emergency? Have you reviewed their medical history? What does it indicate? And have there been any changes since they were last at the practice? What is their dental history? Were they just here last week? And this is the next phase of treatment in a treatment plan. If they're there for an emergency, what's their pain history? What's their social history? Does it have an impact on the care and the treatment being undertaken that day? Yeah, that's a great start because it's important to understand the background and history of your patient before progressing anywhere down the line. So now I know who, what's next? That's exactly right, Annalene. And the next part of the map is basically the what. It's the examination. What can you see on this particular day? I know some practitioners are very systematic in their review and how they conduct their examinations and progress through in an orderly or structured fashion. So the extra oral structures, the TMJ, the intraoral structures, the hard tissues, soft tissues, any other relevant information such as patient's oral hygiene status or their gingival health, a recording of a PSR, uh, recession or caries. I'm sure you can all appreciate that this particular section is going to form the basis of where to next on the roadmap. So trailing very closely behind our examination would be recording of any special tests you undertook. These are going to be different depending on what the appointment was for. If it's a regular preventative care appointment, then the special tests may may be your screening, so your PSR, or your bite wings for interproximal caries. However, if it's an emergency for a toothache, then the special tests undertaken may be more extensive, such as sensibility or percussion testing. You may have taken photos to document broken or lost fillings or cracked teeth. We need to record the results of these tests in the patient's clinical records, just as when you take a radiograph, the images need to be interpreted or reported on within your notes. And there is the same expectation with any other special tests you've conducted. Uh, That certainly is an important point, Kristen, that radiography should be reported on and documented within the patient's clinical records, along with any other special tests conducted. And this does include the results of any screening tests. So we have the history, the examination and the special tests, including their results. What's next? So once we've completed all the clinical investigations, we progress towards our diagnosis. What do you think is going on here and why? The diagnosis might be provisional. You might not actually be sure and you might want to bring the patient back to review or perhaps there's even more than one diagnosis as a result of all of the investigations. Nevertheless, we need to write down all of the possible diagnosis that we make. Great. So now we have all this information, what are we going to do with it? Well, hopefully we're going to discuss it with our patient, as I'm sure that they'd be very interested to know what you found. So this is where we document our discussions, including the all-important conversation of consent. This includes the nature and purpose of the proposed treatment, what you think is going to happen, and what the options or alternatives. And does this include the option of no treatment? What might happen in that instance? Are there any potential costs, especially relevant for expensive treatments, or patients who have indicated that they are particularly price sensitive? 
Also, did the patient have any significant concerns about this treatment or the outcomes? And did you discuss these questions regarding their treatment and check for their understanding? It's all very comprehensive, isn't it? And we haven't even done any treatment yet. No, not yet. Though, as you know, Annalene, that brings us to our next section, the procedure. What did you do? Now, as proceduralists, we're generally pretty good at documenting what we did, bearing in mind that we need to include the tooth that we treated or restored, which surface, what medicaments and materials we used, including brand names, isolation techniques or finishing adjustments, and then any specific post-operative instructions relevant to the treatment provided. This might also include what to do if the patient were to experience problems after the procedure. Now, I want to also take the opportunity here to mention that the recording of medicaments is an area that as practitioners, we do sometimes fall short. While in most instances, it's an incidental finding, the failure to record the concentration and dose of medicaments can be flagged as an issue in cases or investigations, as it does fall below the expected standard and accepted clinical practice. And this may include criticism of a practitioner who's failed to record the amount, concentration and location of a local anaesthetic administered, or perhaps the appropriate recording of the administration of fluoride. It is simply not acceptable to merely record fluoride was administered, as it is also a medicament, and the type of fluoride, location, concentration and post-operative instructions are all considered to be relevant and should be recorded as part of accepted clinical practice. Yeah, we find this is certainly something that's often overlooked, Kristen, so it's really something that for our listeners to keep in mind. So we've done the who, when, what and why. Is there anything further? Actually, Annalene, I just wanted to backtrack a little bit here as I realised, as you said that, I might not have actually mentioned the when section of our roadmap here. Now, perhaps the when may seem obvious to us that the when needs to be documented. When did you see the patient? This is often documented for us in these days of computerisation. However, if you're still utilising handwritten notes, you need to record the date of your appointment. The expectation is that the record should be recorded contemporaneously, so as close as reasonably possible to the time of the appointment procedure. Yeah, but I sense a but coming here. Exactly. But what do you do in the event the record you're compiling is being recorded on a date other than the day you saw the patient? Which, of course, does sometimes happen, often inadvertently, of course. Yes. So in the unlikely event that you wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, realising that you didn't get to finish or even completely forgot the clinical notes of your last patient, then you need to write them first up on your return to practice the next day. And this should be recorded transparently. What this means is clearly indicating the day the notes were written and perhaps even noting the reason they were not written contemporaneously, if this is relevant. Yeah, great pick up there, Kristen. The when does seem obvious. However, it's good to talk through ways to ensure your record remains accurate, should they not have been created at the time of treatment. So now, is there any last signpost we should be considering? Yes, there is. So the last signpost for records I wanted to discuss was the where. The final destination or next part of this roadmap is what happens next. Are there any anticipated follow-ups or a next planned phase of treatment? Who do we need to see as well as the expected duration of the appointment? Or maybe next is a recall and how often do you recommend that this should occur? One other aspect of where is to consider that they are kept securely and backed up to ensure that they're not lost or accessible by unauthorised entities. Indeed. And that brings us to the end of our roadmap, our template for success. Kristen, could you just recap it for everyone listening? Of course. So in a nutshell, our records should signpost who and when, the history of the patient and why they're there, the what, 
So the examination, what can we see? The special tests and their results and our diagnosis. The why, the discussions, what we talked about, what the patient was concerned about and documenting the procedure and what we did. And then the where to from here, the follow-up or the next stop along the road. That's great. And thank you so much for joining me today, Kristen, and stepping through this practical tool to assist us in our practice. If any of you would like any more information about this, you can find more relevant and in-depth resources via our online e-learning platform, which is uh, accessible through our webpage. And thank you all for listening. We do hope this podcast was helpful to you and we look forward to sharing more guidance with you in the future. If you like Dental Protection Podcasts and you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review.